0: Hi there, everybody. Welcome to the Developmental Disabilities Network Journal's Author Insights Podcast. I'm Dr. Matthew Wapit, the Developmental Disabilities Network Journal Editor-in-Chief, and I'm the Executive Director of the Utah State University Institute for Disability Research Policy and Practice. And it's also my privilege to host this podcast. Um, As I've said on past episodes, hosting this podcast is one of my favorite things that I get to do, because it gives me a chance to talk to so many different researchers, professionals, and advocates who are out in the field making a difference. And it's actually incredibly inspirational to talk to some of these people who are doing such tremendous work. Um, So it's, anyway, we're glad that you're here. We're glad that you've tuned in. Hopefully this isn't your first episode, but if it is, welcome. For those of you who are coming back, welcome back. We hope you subscribe and continue to listen. It's important to note that this podcast is part of our ongoing commitment to increase the accessibility of the developmental disabilities network journal for a wider audience. Not everyone has a time to sit down and read an entire article these days or scrounge online for a journal, let alone an entire issue. So, um, more and more people get their information through podcasts and audiobooks. I know that I listened to more audiobooks this last year than I read actual physical books. And so, we're trying to follow the trends and make sure that the content that we produce in the Developmental Disabilities Network Journal is also available to you in alternative formats. So, um, we're hoping that this is helpful as with any other podcast, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast feed. You can find us on all the major platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, And leave us a rating and review because that helps us rise in the ranking and it helps us create more visibility for the work that we do and for the work that our authors share. So with that said, we like to acknowledge at the very front here that the authors that we interview on this podcast are whole people a lot of times there's a tendency especially when reading academic things to just have it be a name on the page and one of the fun parts about this podcast is we get to dig into more about who these researchers and authors are what is it that drives them what is it that brought them into the field And we wanna use that opportunity to help you gain a better understanding of the many diverse voices who are working in the developmental disabilities field today. So with that said, today we have the opportunity to visit with Sherry Cooper. Sherry is a self-advocate from Dayton, Ohio, who wrote an article in our past issue on diversity, equity, and inclusion. Her article was entitled, Loving My Skin. A self advocates perspective from Dayton, Ohio, it was a real pleasure to meet Sherry when we put out our call for dei uh, articles uh, Sherry was one of the first to respond, Um, and although she's not a traditional academic she really did bring an important perspective, and I think some important thoughts to the to to that particular issue of the journal. So just by way of introduction for you, um, I got a chance to, I met Sherry when she first submitted her article. I called her and asked her, you know, how we could support her. And we've had several conversations over the past couple of years. um, And I've really come to appreciate who she is as a person. And it was just a real pleasure for me to sit down with her. Um, So by way of introduction, Sherry is a dedicated advocate who has spent most of her life uh, advocating for disability rights and inclusion. Um, Sherry graduated from Sinclair Community College in 1995 with a degree in Disability Intervention Services. She's also a columnist for the Dayton Daily News editorial pages, and she's an award-winning speaker. In fact, she gave a TED Talk at TEDx Dayton in 2014 called Are You Okay With Yourself? And Sherry's impact as an advocate has been far-reaching throughout Ohio and the entire Midwest. Uh, she served on the Ohio Developmental Disabilities Council. She currently serves on the Disability Foundation Board. In 2019, she was selected as the Women in Business Networking's Top 25 Women to Watch. And she currently works as a PR assistant for Easter Seals of Miami Valley as their blogger in chief. And we'll make sure that we put up a post to. The blog that sherry writes it's really interesting she does a great job, it should also be noted here and sherry will mention this in our interview sherry's working on a book. And as soon as sherry's book comes out about her experience growing up with a disability, um, we will be sure to share that with you as well so. This episode is an important conversation that touches on many important topics related to diversity, equity and inclusion. Perhaps most importantly, it really heights the value and importance of honoring lived experience and the importance of including everyone so as with other episodes this episode include some fun behind the scenes insights some unique ideas that can be used to improve the work that you do on your respective teams and organizations so without further ado let's jump into this fun and informative conversation with sherry cooper we'll go ahead and jump in so thank you for again taking time to visit with us today sherry we're excited to uh, to catch up with you again. So, kind of like we start all our interviews, tell us a little bit about your background.
1: Well, big um, 50 you, you know. I had several parties from birth. I'm the youngest of six children, which we call ourselves the Super Coopers. It was four boys and two girls. We lost your brother, but I carry him in my heart every day. I work for Goodwill Easter still of the Miami Valley, and they know And I'm a public relations assistant, and I do a lot of advocacy work, local and statewide. I stay with my Favorite guy, name girl, me and him bought a house, what, six years ago. And we got a fur baby. Her name is Tiny. Even though she's not tiny, she weighs 160 pounds. She's a Rottweiler. But she thinks she's a rat dog. And I love her to death. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> that is a very big dog. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is that is awesome. Well, I mean the the, the next question I think is is obvious, um, but because you kind of referred to it. But how did you first get involved with disability advocacy?
1: Uh, I think as a person with a disability, you probably always involved in advocacy, whether you know it or not, uh, as young as. Uh, Grade school when I would tell my mom what I wanted to wear or how I wanted my hair. I consider that a part of everything. As I got older, I seen things wasn't well uh, good for people with disability, and I wanted to do more to make it better. I wanted to exercise my voice to my right as a as a citizen. So I don't know if you're familiar, but I'll state a, i will got ai call it a IS system. The only thing they call the opportunity for high with Disabilities, It used to be rehab services council. And they're doing that. As a CAC member, a consumer advocate, as I do myself, and from there, I really got the bug, and I didn't want to stop, so I just started joining all the other advocacy groups. I submitting my efforts, and I got paid for quite a few. Of them.
0: That's that's amazing. Well, you would have you would have gotten into that advocacy work very early on. I mean, this is going to tell you more about me than you probably need to know. You and I are the same age. Okay. Um, Yeah, I would have never guessed you were as old as me. You look so much younger. (laughs) (laughs) But really, I mean, thinking back to 1973, the 70s and the 80s, when disability was still largely looked down upon, um, you know, you... Being able to speak up and get involved that early on is pretty incredible.
1: Well, you've been able to speak. I think the younger you start, the better. I think I was speaking again because I was the youngest, a sixth kid, and then you didn't get speaking. If you didn't speak, you didn't get what you want. And everybody else was speaking. I'm like, hey, 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 I'm here too. So I used to, I just took off and started speaking. And I think that's due to my brother and sister. I got great family support. So I credit them with helping me strengthen my advocacy.
0: Did, so this is this is a question that I sent you, but I'm curious. And you can say, and I'm not ready to answer that or not. What was your experience like in school? Did you find in high school and in middle school and even elementary school that you had opportunities to advocate for yourself?
1: That's a great question, Master. So from, I'm going to say, kindergarten through sixth grade, I went to a school that was only for children with disabilities. And we got along great because everybody was On the same accord, we all had disabilities. It went to the seventh grade when I was mainstreamed into a public school. That was a whole different ball game because there I wasn't a majority, I was a minority. And that was very hard to really deal with just being. Um, different, affecting race. Everybody had a disability, and then you had to deal with people staring, people making fun. So that was the hardest one.
0: One of the other things that you've been involved with, and I think when you originally reached out to write your article, you mentioned your involvement with the Developmental Disabilities Council there in Ohio. How long have you been involved with the Developmental Disabilities Council? And, and what's that experience been like for you? Uh, I
1: think have been 2000. I want to say four. I'm no longer a member, but I'm still very much involved. I sometimes help on great reviews or anything that they need me to do. Cause it was a very good experience. I think I got involved with him. I want to say it was 2023.
0: So relatively, so relatively recently. But yeah. You are a little bit different. You know, the Developmental Disabilities Network Journal is an academic journal, and it's pretty rare that we have self advocates reach out and say, "I would like to write something for you." <laughs> um. Why did you want to write about your experience for the Developmental Disabilities Network Journal, and how did you hear about it, actually?
1: Again, my amazing Ohio Developmental Disability Council. I gotta give a shout out to Carol Knight, who's the executive director, reach out to me and say, uh the Disability Journal was doing uh, inclusion uh addition for uh including and she said I think you should write him and I was change to myself I don't think <laughs> they're gonna pick me and then I'll it better, I said well I have nothing to lose so I'm just gonna sit in and see where it goes. And just like magic here here's me you are master. <laughs> it must do work.
0: It did work. <laughs>
1: when I was writing it, I didn't. I wanted to do plain language so people would know exactly what I was speaking about. So I just wrote it from my perspective.
0: And you did. Uh, and you did a remarkable job. You know, one of the things that we've really tried to do with the journal is highlight self-advocate voices where we can and so we were really excited to get your your article and have the and to have the opportunity to work with you to really share your experience so thank you for taking that risk. It definitely, um, I think it's really enhanced and we've received a lot of great feedback on your article in the journal. And those of you who haven't read Sherry's article, I would encourage you, we'll link to it in the show notes and everything else, but I would encourage you to go read it. Um, But this particular issue of the journal was focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion, which unfortunately has become a relatively controversial subject in recent years. Um, but, you know, you, you come from that background. Tell us a little bit about some of the challenges that you faced as a disabled black woman.
1: Well, you know, people usually don't want to talk about race and disability and uh, gender, but that's the only way we're going learning if we talk about it. So as an African-American woman with a disability, I have often, not all the time, but sometimes felt like maybe I didn't belong. So so you go into a room where everybody is is either white, male, or, or female. And you sit there, and you don't... Well, I first got to the DGC chapter. For instance, I think it was me and another African American woman. So I really didn't talk that much. Because I felt like, well, if I say anything, I'm going to be voted down quickly. Because I'm the only one besides my other colleagues in the room that look like me. And that's very, uh, that's very scary. So we deal with a whole different, but when it comes to race and gender and disability, it's a hard pill to swallow. If you're not strong enough, you won't stay in the room. But we need more people in my. Intersectionality to be in the room to share awareness so you can help other people that look like me.
0: I absolutely agree, um, and it is it is hard. And you know, as you as you talked about a little bit, you know, the more parts of you that are different. Right, the that intersectionality makes it harder and harder. Instead of just you know have having a disability and then coming from a different race and potentially speaking a different language, each one of those adds a layer of complexity right. that makes it harder and harder sometimes to get involved and to advocate and to have your voice heard.
1: I just wanna add, man, about me having a speech impairment. That didn't help the problem because usually when people hear a speech, they, uh, they think that affects your brain as well. And so people think if she can't speak well, she must not be able to think well either, which is a major, uh, uh, not true, it's not true at all. But people believe that. I still get that I go somewhere, like to the restaurant, and they hear my voice. And I'll automatically ask my honey, what do I want to eat? Instead of asking me, today. So, like, if I got a speaking statement, I must have a cognitive disability as well.
0: Yeah. And I think that's really indicative of just how little people understand the nature of disability. Right. And that, you know, just because you speak differently doesn't necessarily mean that you have a cognitive impairment and you could have a cognitive impairment and speak perfectly. Right. Um, there's, there's just a whole wide variety of what falls under this category of disability. And, um, yeah, and any additional elements make it increasingly complex to interact with society.
1: Again, if you're not enough, you won't go out in the community. You won't do anything and you'll be fearful of what other people think. But, like again, I had to go back to Super Cooper with my sister and brother. He had tough skin. I think uh, that's the reason I have succeeded because they didn't let me pity myself. They wanted me to be tough. I am one tough cookie.
0: (laughs) I I would agree. I would agree. It has been delightful to actually get to know you, and I would agree you are one tough cookie, Sherry. Oh, so what is, you, you've kind of started talking about this a bit, but what is some advice you would give to other advocates who come from diverse backgrounds?
1: Sometimes you may not information the information. But, uh, I live in a very urban area, and I upper I wouldn't get information. My friends were in the suburbs. So I would suggest you sought out advocacy. Sought out your independent living, because they really are looking for you. They just may not have reached you yet, or may not know how to reach you. So you got to sought out opportunities to do advocacy work.
0: So So be proactive and kind of find opportunities to get involved.
1: Like I mentioned, Independent Living Center is a great start to to get your advocacy and emotional.
0: Are you involved with the Independent Living Center there in Ohio?
1: Of course. They are some of my go-to groups. Anything that I need to know, I'm always... uh, and some of their workshops, we got a very great uh, Dayton, Ohio, Independent Living Center. So shout out to my Independent Living Center. They are so great people.
0: I would agree. I think independent living centers are often overlooked, an overlooked resource in our community and they do yeah and and yes, they help you figure out what you need to kind of live on your own, but also I think people don't recognize they do a lot around teaching advocacy right. and how to how to speak up for yourself and how to get involved and they provide opportunities for that.
1: And not only yeah, you looking for free that's a great way to start connecting with people. Because some of my best friends come from the ILC. You need that camaraderie. Even when you're not working, you just might want to go out and have a drink. What is for you? Everybody needs friends, So ILC is a great way to start.
0: Yep. I would totally agree, and I appreciate you bringing up that importance of social support. Um, You know, especially in post-COVID, you know, we've learned that social support and talking to people and being with people is so important for our mental health. And, you know, finding organizations that can help you get connected can be so important to not just, right, your independence and your advocacy, but also your mental health and how well you feel about how connected you are to your community
1: plus people that already understand so they already understand what a speech impairment is like with what a person in a wheelchair feel like so it's easy easy people to talk
0: yep absolutely so at the end here of our conversation um there's a couple of questions that we like to ask all of our all of our guests on the podcast, and the first one is: What is one thing that you would like our listeners to remember from our conversation today?
1: I want the listeners to remember advocates advocate, advocate coming all to shine the color. So, in order to have a a good conversation around your table. You need to involve more than just one certain type of person. You need to get out and look around and see how you can have an array of people around the table. Because you cannot have a meeting without, uh, especially if you are supporting people with disabilities. You need people with disabilities of all
0: color. Yep, I, I totally agree. A lot of times, and, and we're especially, I think, prone to this in the disability community. Um, we have not always been good about reaching out to diverse populations. And a lot of the leadership in the disability rights movement has been right white middle-class people and yet everybody suffers from disability or experiences disability right whether you're black hispanic uh, asian whatever disability affects everyone and yet we haven't seen that representation always in all these disability groups
1: because you google people in the movement of disability it's hard to find an african-american I then felt maybe one or two, but I really
0: had to search for it. Yep, yep. But I think that's just an indication that we need to do better, right? We need to do better and make sure that our, our groups, our DD councils, our, our said, our independent living centers represent the diversity in our communities. Yeah, I
1: agree.
0: So the other question that we ask all our guests at the end is, and and this is because a big part of this journal is trying to be more inclusive. But what's one thing that you've been working on to make your world more inclusive?
1: Huh. That's a good another good question. that I just don't think you can one thing I have been working on. Uh, I know. I'm a consultant with the Adult Advocacy centers, and now we're working on a forensic process. Like, people forget us. We are a vulnerable population, and clients do be committed against us, but we may be scared to speak out. If somebody is hurting you physically or mentally, you need to speak up so something can be done about it. Another thing is human trafficking. is easy to fall into human trafficking when you have a disability. Uh, another thing is how many people on your board uh, are in a, a different race. If you are at the table saying, right? you need to look into your boardroom and change. So I can go on and on, but I won't because a few things I've been working on in my area.
0: Well, I think we need to have a follow-up conversation about some of those. Some of the work that we're doing, well, Alex, who's on here, is our producer, and and I are working on some stuff around abuse and neglect and everything else, which is a whole other topic, but so important. And that's where that advocacy, those skills and that ability to speak up and say, this is happening to me and I don't like it um, is so important. I appreciate you bringing that up, Sherry. And I appreciate you bringing up the human trafficking thing, too. I think a lot of people overlook the fact that a lot of people who do experience human trafficking have disabilities, whether it's cognitive, physical, intellectual, mental illness, um, a lot of people are exploited and taken advantage of. And yeah, being aware of that, I think, is really, really important. Well, any last thoughts before we wrap up here?
1: No. Uh, well, I do appreciate the journal for picking me the right on the article, hoping for more but be on the lookout because I'm writing a book and the book for it. it will be done by next year. And I want everybody to run out and make it the best so I can be an open book for it. And I can have a book of the month and, she- <laughs> and I can be on
0: CBS
1: this morning. Yeah, sometimes you got to manifest what you watch I'm just kind of
0: put that in the air <laughs> that's awesome well we will uh we will be happy to promote your book when it comes out maybe we need to do a follow-up interview I once would, your book comes out I would
1: love to
0: love. yeah that would be awesome and we're uh we just wish you the best of luck and we really appreciate you taking the time to visit with us today so thanks Sherry
1: Thank you,
0: Matthew, and thank you, all Hope to hear from you soon. Absolutely. So that's it for our conversation with Sherry today. I'd like to thank DDNJ Managing Editor and Author Insight Podcast Producer Alex Shewall for her hard work to get this podcast out. Um, Alex is who... Most of you, if you're authors or folks who interact, what you see on the website, the person that you correspond with, um, the person who makes sure that we are getting content out is Alex and Alex does a great job. So we're really glad that she's involved and she's the one who's making this podcast interview sound better than it probably really is. (laughs) We'd also like to thank the Utah State University Institute for Disability Research Policy and Practice for their financial and in-kind support for the podcast and journal, and also the Utah State University Libraries and Digital Commons, who help support the work that we do. Um, So as I mentioned earlier, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts, leave us a rating and review. You can learn more about the Developmental Disabilities Network Journal at our website, which you can find in the show notes. It's also digitalcommons.usu.edu DDNJ. That will take you right there. And you can download podcast transcripts for this episode in English and Spanish at our podcast page, which we will also link in the show notes. So with that said, thanks so much. Keep up the great work you're making a difference, and we want you to know that what you do matters. Have a great rest of your day.